this morning. Um, got my notes here, but I, this is a sense that I feel God is speaking. Yeah, so I might jump around a bit, so bear with me. Um, God, look at my games again, sorry. Um, I'm afraid that when I cry, not if, when I cry, that the sniffing might actually <laughs> cause some feeding here. But uh, this morning, I want to speak about the grace of God. Now, um, it's one of those things that, that you can spend like a couple of preachers on, and you can do like a whole course over a weekend, and like a equip and unpacking. Um, and I'll, I'll try my best, but I'll, I'm going to try and be very practical in this, and not to be too theological or, you know, um, I, I had my previous notes, it was like the Greek word was there, and I'm, I'm sad to say the Greek word is not in my notes now anymore. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'll be back next week. No, um, but man, there, there's a sense that, for, for you guys, when I say grace, what do you think about? If you're Afrikaans, you're thinking about the color of grace, no? No, but what I, what I actually mean, if, if, if you know the word grace, what do you, what do you think about? Because like, I think it's a word we often use, but I don't think we necessarily misuse the terms. I just think there's so much more. I mean, the, when we speak about grace, we speak about it almost like one-dimensionally. Well, two-dimensionally. There's like we, we see it from one angle. But grace, in a sense, is like a, a, a 3D thing. Nah? And I'll, I'll explain the the three aspects of it, the three dimensions of grace. Um, but for us to understand grace, and I'm just, just a quick disclaimer before, as I go on, I'm going to try my best not to balance this preach. Usually I want to balance everything, but I want to kind of swing it very hard. So if you say, oh, well, what about this? And what about, it, it, we, chat me afterwards. But I want to root us, I want to swing us into a place where, man, God is gracious. I, I think we, we, we do well enough in, in other preachers, in other areas to keep the balance and, you know, we need the fear of the Lord and all those things, but I want to just focus on the grace of God. So, for us to understand grace, we need to understand, firstly, that we're worthless. So, what I mean by that, so yes, that you have worth, you know, because Jesus died for you on the cross, but we mustn't get to a place like, my worth is so good that God owes me anything. Like you cannot understand grace if you think that God owes you anything. Because if you think that God's, God owes you something, then it's not grace. It just kind of gives you what you deserve. And we need to know the only thing that we deserve is hell. That's the only thing we deserve. I'm like, oh, I thought you were going to say we were speaking about grace. Yeah, I have. <laughs> but we need, we, you won't understand grace if you think that you deserve anything. The beauty of grace is that you don't deserve anything, but it gives you something. Now, and, and you know the problem is we, we kind of we mix up mercy and grace. We, we, we make it to be the same thing. So what is the difference between the two? I'm, I'm jumping in my notes, but mercy, in Afrikaans it's genade and genade. Ne? But in English, like, mercy is not receiving something that you deserve. So for instance... You drive 150 in a 60 zone, cinema. You know, just before you go into, it, into town, like the, the speed goes, you know, 120, 80, 60. You know, it's quite quick. And the speed cop comes out and it's like, you do you know how fast? Okay, let's not say 150. Let's say you do 120, you know, but all of a sudden the speed zone changes. And the speed cop comes out and it's like, you know that you were driving 120 in a 60 zone. Chucky too. Yes, yes, you're fine. And then he says, but you know what? I'm, I'm going to have mercy on you. 
and I'm not going to give to you what you deserve. And he has mercy on you, and he withholds punishment. That is mercy. Grace is in reverse, or it's the, the opposite. So mercy is not receiving what you deserve. Grace is receiving what you don't deserve. And that we, we shouldn't mix those two up. Man, grace is receiving something. Grace isn't just not being punished, but grace is part, like mercy is part of receiving grace. And I'll unpack it a bit now, but man, grace is receiving what we don't deserve. And we won't understand grace if you think that you deserve anything. <laughs> yeah? You, 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 you <laughs> I've had it many times. I remember in Team T, you know, I was second year in Team T, and I thought, you know, I did my one year, you know. And then now they're going to ask guys to go and lead outreaches, and they didn't ask me. I'm like, what the hell? And it's like, why didn't they ask me? Oh, it was just, uh, I don't understand. But it was a sense of entitled, entitlement. Oh, they should have asked me. I, I didn't understand grace. The fact that they would ask any of us, the fact that God would use any of us, it's just grace. I'm, I'm running far from my notes. I'll get to you. Okay. Uh, I want to mention just three keys quickly before I actually get to the whole rest of the preach. But we need to have humble hearts to understand grace. Now, just a couple of uh, things that I want you guys to think about, think about it in the week. Uh, three areas that I think that you need to examine yourself on, and if you qualify in these three areas, you probably have pride in your heart, especially when it comes to grace. Um, the first one, if you can't accept the gift, you probably have pride in your heart, yeah? and you won't understand grace. Now, if someone says, listen, oh, I'll, I'll get the coffee first, it's like, no, 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 you don't want to accept it. No, no, you don't want to be presumptuous, but there's a sense that if you kind of shy back, no, I don't want to be a burden, I don't want to inconvenient, be an inconvenience towards him, you're probably going to relate the same way to God. God says, here's my forgiveness. No, 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 Lord. Like, no, please, I don't want to be inconvenienced to you. And that's the point of grace. It's like, no, I know you don't deserve it, but here it is anyway. Huh? It's like, I go drink a coffee of Enrique, and he's like, I'll pay for it. It's like, I can pay for the coffee. It's not like I asked you to pay for it, but no, no, I'll give it to you anyway. I know you can, but I'll give it to you anyway. It's like, it's just a, it's just a gift. And if you can, and just I'm getting very practical. If someone wants to buy you a coffee, you're gonna go. Well, I'll get next time. Yeah? Now it's okay. Uh, we help one another, and you get one, I get one. That's fine. But if your instinct's like, no, I'll get next time because I don't want to feel bad. It's probably a sense of you don't want to receive something because you don't want to feel like the, pr the problem. Actually, is you don't want to feel like a burden. You don't want to. You, you guys know what I'm saying? Because we're afraid that when someone buys a coffee for me, <laughs> that they're gonna look down on me. And if you're afraid of being looked down on, you're already lost. Because <laughs> you think that you're here. You need to understand that, in a sense, that God should be looking down on all of us anyway. Our default is being looked down on. You know? The fact that we can... Okay, you guys get what I'm saying. Second point. Uh, well, that was the need to repay anyone. And the other thing is, if you feel like God owes you anything, you've, you've got pride in your heart, like I just said. And if you feel like, why don't I get youth in worship? Why aren't I asked to be a community leader? I serve. Why don't I get noticed? You feel entitled. I open up my home every time. Why not? Yeah, you, you think that because you do these things, and God, God's going to go, like, oh, well, you qualify. And, and, you, know, you know the saying, no, I'm, I'm not worthy to be used by God. Even that, like, 
and you kind of feel like, no, I'm not going to be used because I'm not Well, none of us are. You think that someone else is. If God calls you, you're like, oh, wow, thank you, God. I know I'm not worthy, but I'm going to be used anyway because no one else is more qualified because none of us are qualified. Does that make sense? So if you put yourself in the, no, I'm not ready yet, well, you're never going to be ready. It's like there's no hoops that you can jump through and then God goes, like, well, no, no uh, I'm not going to balance it. Don't balance it, Paul. Don't balance it. <laughs> so let's look at uh, grace. Like I just said, difference between mercy and grace. Mercy is not receiving what you deserve. Grace is deci- receiving what you don't deserve. Yeah, what you, yeah, receiving what you don't deserve. It's a tongue twister. Now the three, like I said, grace is like a 3D thing, and we need to see it from all three angles. Now the first angle in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, I'm going to read through a lot of scripture. Uh, you can put on Ephesians. Uh, what is it? Okay, so it's Ephesians. <laughs> sorry, Ephesians two, verse eight to nine. So while, while she's getting it, and then we've got the. So the point I want to make: grace, grace is firstly, because I, I want to explain grace now, because you use the word but you don't. And if you go and Google the word, it you're not gonna. It's weird. Um, so before I read it, well, let me read. <coughs> For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. Verse 9. Not a, res- r- not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You can keep on verse 8. Um, please, Elaine. Uh, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. And there's a sense that grace is undeserved favor. The first aspect of grace is undeserved favor. God says, I, I, I give my favor to you. I, I give to you something that you don't deserve. No, and there's nothing that you can do to deserve it. Like He gives us salvation. He gives us Jesus, not because we deserve it. It's undeserved favor. I mean, God gives you things sometimes. You know? Have you guys ever had an experience where God gives you something, even if it's something material? Now you... Yeah, they, like, get some heads going, like, y'all. And that's just grace. You don't deserve it. God just, man, I just favor you. Here. I pick you. You don't deserve it. I just, you know? And to some extent, grace, grace is like the fuel for our lives. And faith is the pipeline. So what that means is, as I have faith in God and as I have faith in following Him, grace flows. And we need to have faith. Because if you read it, it says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. So the sense that as I have faith in God, as I believe, all I do is I believe. God, I believe that you can forgive me. God, I believe that you can save me. I believe that what you did is enough. I just believe. I believe and then grace flows. Having faith, if, even though it is something that you do, you know, I have faith, I believe. Now, faith doesn't just, faith doesn't, faith doesn't just appear. Because if you think about it, if faith just comes, then why doesn't God just give everyone faith? He's going to solve everyone's problem. He just give us all faith, God. Now, there's a difference between having faith for someone to be healed and God gives you faith in a moment. And, but the, the sense of faith as believing in God. If, if He just causes us all to believe in His grace, then it's, oh, yeah, check. You know, we don't have to do anything, guys. Go home. Let me just stop. Because you know, it just happens. But all I do is I believe. And it's a difference between faith, and it says, and this is not of your own doing, it is a gift of God. The 
Now you see, okay, well, you know, there's a lot of debate. What is the gift of God? The point is the whole thing, the whole, the whole, the whole concept of being saved is the gift of God. But do we receive it by believing? God spoke and I do it. So God spoke and I do it. That's the first aspect. And that's kind of the one that we generally get taught, right? I mean, j- I just say this and you go like, oh, yeah, I've heard this. And it's grace. And it's, we, we, you know, God is gracious on us. He gives us mercy and he doesn't send us to hell. And he gave us Jesus. And that's the grace that we generally hear about, right? right? The second aspect is grace is our teacher. In Titus 2 verse 11, we need, grace is not just this forgiveness that we receive. But grace is something that empowers us. Grace is something that teaches us. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Uh, can you do verse 12 as well? Sorry, I forgot to give verse 12. Um, my bad. Sorry, like, I gave her the scriptures and then I said, like, I think this is everything. She's like, yeah, you're probably going to give more as you preach. And I'm like, oh, probably, my bad. <laughs> um, so verse, verse 11 says, you know, for the grace of God has appeared. And then verse 12, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. You can just keep that up. The grace trains us. Grace is training us to renounce ungodliness. Grace is our teacher. And we need to cry out for God, God, I need your grace so that it might teach me not to sin. And I want to say, if, if you have been following God you know, for more than a week and you've not grown, now you don't have to, after a week, stop sinning altogether. One, one John says, if you say that you're without sin, then you lie. You know, you, we all have sin, but we're growing to be more like God. Now, if you haven't grown by not sinning, if it makes sense, if God hasn't been touching areas of your life saying, stop sinning here, stop sinning here, no, then you haven't received grace. If you say, well, you know, I, I, I can, there's grace for my forgiveness. No, no, grace is a, is a teacher that teaches us not to sin. If you really receive the grace of God, you will stop sinning. Now, it's not just a, you know, I receive the grace and all of a sudden I stop sinning, but there's a sense of, as I receive the grace of God, my heart goes, I don't want to sin anymore. Because it teaches us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. So it teaches you to say no to sin. In different tra- translations, it teaches you to say no to sin. It says it easier. So, and I mean, who of you guys are teachers? Any teachers here? What's Adams? Okay, so for the guys. So for that, well, all of you guys went through school, right? You know, everyone went through school. That, that's one I can touch on. You know, with the students, you know. You sit in varsity, you sit in school, and they, they teach you ABC, and they teach you, you know, aorta and patella, and all these words. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had biology for a bit. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> anyway, same thing. You know, so, so you get taught certain things, but you don't just get it, do you? I mean, I mean, there's some of us that you just see something and get it. But after a while, you're going like, ah, a light bulb goes on. You know, like after you said, oh, the old is here. Okay, now I know. You know and, uh, in a sense, she was teaching me just now. And that's what grace does. As you do it, you're like, oh, ooh, okay, well, I'm wrong here. Okay, I'm wrong. And it, it teaches you to say no to sin. And we need to cry out for that type of grace. God, help me. Help me. I need the grace to say no to sin. The third aspect is grace. So it, it's grace is undeserved favor. Grace is our teacher. 
But in grace is a power as well. And you can put on Romans 12, verse 3 to 6. It, it is not just the, you know, the reason I said it is receiving something that we don't deserve. So we even receive gifts, uh, uh, spiritual gifts. That is by grace. That is a grace that is given to you. So let's read in uh, uh, if, if Romans. I, d- I also didn't give this. Sorry. <laughs> the, 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 rest of, the rest of the ones will be here. The rest of the ones will be here. <laughs> so I missed the top scriptures. Okay. For by grace given to me, I say to everyone uh, among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think with sober judgment, each according to, to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individual members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, and then it goes on. You can keep verse 6 on. If prophecy, then... You can go on, and then it says, if teaching, then teach. If giving, then give generously. But there's a sense that having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So for each and every one of us, God has given, you know, if you are saved, there's a a grace given to you. There's a portion given to you. Now, the reason I started off, you need to start by not feeling God owes you anything. It's because if the grace that God has given in Riku, is bigger than the grace that God has given me, I get offended. Because I think I deserve better. If he prophesies with accuracy and I kind of like, I see a tree, God loves you. Yeah, that's, all, that's, my, that's my prophecy. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's, yeah, that's cool. But my, my, I, I, I've seen it. We, we, we sit around and we want to prophesy for people and then the guys are going like, oh, this date and you know, this color, you were wearing this t-shirt and God says this and and the guy starts crying, and I sit there like, well, Hebrews says God loves you. I don't know what you I'm not hearing. Uh, the grace that God has given him differs from mine. But I need to understand that, man, I don't deserve anything anyway. So I'm not going to be offended. And we'll look at practical um, examples in guys in the Bible. You know? But we need to understand that God has given us a grace. He's given us a gift. And then Paul goes on, if it is prophecy, then use it. If it's teaching, then use it. If it's giving, then give. The point is we need to use this grace as well. We need to cry out, God, give me, give me this grace. And grace is such a difficult thing to explain. I'm trying to paint the picture, and as I go on, you'll hopefully. But grace is not just in terms of forgiveness. There's, and, and the point here is having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So grace is also, if I can use this word, is also like a wattage. Yeah? God gives you an amount of grace, not, not in a sense of you've got this amount and you can use it up. I don't mean like in a sense of your saving. Because uh, on the one hand, God gives you grace by forgiving you. He is gracious towards you. But then He also gives you grace to teach you to say no to sin. But then also He gives you a measure of grace. Like I think there's a physical importation of grace that He gives you. He pours in fuel. You know, He, he, he puts like a little grace generator in you and everyone's generator is a different wattage and we need to say well god whatever amount of grace that you've given me to flow out to others you see because our thinking of grace is just i forgive you that's not grace. that's mercy 
It's, it's, it's being gracious towards a person by having mercy. But grace isn't just, oh, I forgive you. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. So it's almost like grace is this umbrella, and mercy is part of it. Okay. So let's look at a... Um, well, I want to read two scriptures, and I'll look at some practical examples and guys in the Bible. So 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. This one I do have up. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So Paul is saying, man, God has given me a grace, and it has caused me to work harder than any, all the other apostles. And then he kind of goes, but it's not me. It's the grace of God. It is this power that is given in me. It, it's this wattage that is in me that causes me to work harder than anyone. So it's this balance that we need to, sorry, I do need to balance a bit. It's this balance that we need to have of, it's the grace of God, it's this, th this thing in me that causes me to do all, but I need to do it. But Paul works harder than all of us, but he says, but it's not me, it's the grace of God. And we need to, act, that's why we start off by going like, I'm nothing. All I have is from God. And I heard a story, I heard a story like from someone else and uh, of, of this couple and the, the the lady, the wife was very like, you know, in love of Jesus and, and she always goes to church and the guy was kind of also going and he kind of tries to love Jesus and they were building a swimming pool and um, this guy, the husband, he built the swimming pool on his own basically. He dug the hole, he got some guys off the street, come on, let's go dig the hole and he, go and he buys the swimming pool, he puts it in and he does it on his own, if it makes sense. And, and after like a couple of weeks of hard work, they throw this pool party to celebrate to the pool and it's finally finished and and uh, they stand there like, we did the pool. And the wife says, oh man, God's been so gracious. He gave us this pool. And God goes like, no, I, I, I gave the pool. And was, God didn't give the pool. I, I put the pool in myself. God did nothing. And that's the thinking that we need to get rid of. God did give you that pool. If it wasn't for him breathing in, if it wasn't for him keeping us alive even, man, we would have nothing. If it wasn't for, I mean, that guy, how many times have we been saved from dying even? I, I mean, I don't know. How many near-death experiences did you have? Man, maybe not near-death, but you hit the pothole and the tire didn't go. Like, <laughs> or it does go, but you don't roll. And there's so many things that we don't know what could have happened, but God has been gracious towards us. He's, he, he holds, you know that song? He's got the whole world in His hands. And He does, man. Our lives are in His hands. And he's, he's just because of His grace, because He wants to, He keeps us alive. Not because He has to. So if you start from that point, man, if I wake up and I've got bread, hallelujah, it's more than I should have had. You will be satisfied the rest of your life if you understand that you don't, uh, you don't deserve anything. Huh? Huh? The reason we get murph is because we think, I'm really hammering that you don't deserve anything. <laughs> it frees you, man, it completely frees you if you, if you understand that you don't deserve anything. Because then what you have, you're just so grateful. God gives you a car, a job, and you're like, oh, I'm just so grateful to have it. So, and then Hebrews 12, verse 15. Um, and then we'll look at three, we'll look at Peter, Paul, and Judas. Do you have Hebrews 12, verse 15 there? Okay. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no bitter, no bitter, well, no root of bitterness springs up and cause trouble, and by it many became defiled. So now this is, yeah, I just spoke about it's a gift and it's this thing that God gives you and, and, uh, and now 
the writer of Hebrews said, see that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Now your head's spinning. It's this thing that I just get, and now you're telling me I should not fail to obtain it. I don't know what to do anymore, Paul. You're confusing me. I hope I hope I'm confusing you a bit. But the grace of God also needs to be obtained. And I'll look at it practically now. If I if I give sorry, Nick, you're the closest, so you're gonna get used. <laughs> if I if I come and I wanna let's say I'm not gonna say I'm God, but I come and I wanna give a gift to Enrique. Not because he did anything, not because he deserves it. I mean he deserves nothing like he just realized. And I come and I give him a gift. So I'll come and I give him a gift. Let me say. I come and I give him a gift. Obtain the gift, he needs to obtain it still. He needs to take hold of it. We need to cry out for God. You need to take hold of it. And you, you, you might go a light on, but we'll look at a guy's life now and it's going to just make sense. So the life of Peter, not him yet. In, um, okay, I'm just going to skip through some of these things. So uh, God calls Peter. I'm not going to go read through all the scriptures, but God calls Peter. He's sitting in a boat fishing and God comes, leave your nets, follow me. Not because he did anything. The grace of God extended to him and I can pick you, come. I'll make you a fisher of me. And Paul stand, uh, Peter stands like, uh, like I'm, I'm not special. If you, if, you, if you understand a bit of the culture there, what happens in the Jewish, what happened in the Jewish culture is that all the young men would, you know, up until the age of something, they would have to learn the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, and then they would have to, you know, the smartest of them, or those that qualify, they would then go and be students of some Pharisee somewhere, and they would go and be disciples. The rest kind of get rejected from varsity, and they're going to have to go and get a job somewhere. Yeah? So Peter, in a sense, was a reject. He was a reject of life. Not like a, a super reject, but he was just, I didn't, I, I didn't make it you know, like a super reject. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he, wa- he wasn't like full of sickness and sitting in a corner. There was just a sense that, ah, oh, man, he didn't make it. He wasn't one of the special ones. And he just, ah, oh, man, I failed. I couldn't make it into varsity. I couldn't go study that thing I wanted to. And then he goes and do, does something else. And then God says, I'll pick you. You average guy. You normal person. Not you Pharisee that learned and then knows the scripture. You normal guy, I'll pick you. <laughs> okay. And then he walks with Jesus for three years. And I mean, walking with Jesus for three years. Imagine that. Just imagine. Like waking up, there's Jesus. Like waking up, giving like a yawn, and they stand up. And then he goes, he, he heals people, heals the blind, raises the dead. And you see all these things. And then when Jesus gets crucified, Peter denies it. No, I don't know. I don't know who Jesus is. And he completely denies him. Turns his back on Jesus. After he's seen all this. And in, in John 21, verse 15. This is where Jesus then comes and he restores Peter. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. 
He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Just keep 17 on for now. Peter denied Jesus three times. And then by the grace of God, Jesus comes and says, I'm going to restore you three times. It's like, man. And then Peter kind of goes like, the lights, hurry up. Man, the grace of God is so beautiful. Goodness for crying. Oh, man. Yo. Whenever I cry, he cries. Um, but the light bulb goes on for Peter the third time. And he just realized what, what Jesus just did. He betrayed Jesus three times and Jesus restored him three times. And then um, you can skip, uh, skip the verse uh, 19, no, 20. Yeah, you can keep it there. So then Jesus kind of tells them, okay, one day you're going to die. They're going to cruci- they're gonna kill you. They're going to take you where you don't want to go. Um, so now Peter again is like, oh, they're going to kill me. Um, then Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. Now that's John. So Peter turns and he looks to John, the one who Je- uh, reclined at the table and said to him, Lord, who is the one that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he, he remain until I come, what is it to you? You follow me. You can just keep verse 22 up. And this, I want, the point I want to make is, man, you follow God. Whatever, whatever grace God has given you, man, be happy of that. So Peter is looking, he's standing with Jesus. He's looking at John. Like, and Jesus, Jesus just told Peter that he's going to die. Uh, they're going to kill him one day. And he looks at John and goes, oh, that's not fair. What about him? What, you, what is going to happen to him? And then Jesus said to you, if I want him to stay alive until I come, what is it to you? You follow me. If God wants to use Enrique to go plant a church in Australia, what is it to me? <laughs> Be gracious, Lord. I follow God. Now, yes, we all follow God together, but man, I follow God. What is, what is God for me? I'll do that. If God has a grace for Enrique to be very rich, enjoy it, bro. If God doesn't have that grace for me, I'm going to follow him in my lane. I'm going to stay in my lane. Because God has a different purpose for everyone. But his grace determines differently for all of us. The life of Paul. So, Peter, he was kind of an average Jew. God calls him. He denies Jesus. Jesus restores him. And the point he makes is, follow me. Paul, also a Jew, kind of just turns his back. He, oh, he not even turns his back. He just goes and he wants to kill the people of God. He starts off by being completely against God. And I, I, I'm assuming that most of you know the story. But in Acts, Paul actually went out and he looked for Christians and wants to kill them. The guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament went out to kill Christians. He said they are blaspheming. They are, they, you know, he, he actually ordered the stoning of people. He went to the, like the council, let's say the Jerusalem council of the Pharisees. Listen, give me permission to go to that town and go and kill Christians. And then he's like, cool, go for it. And then on his way to Damascus, he encounters Jesus. I'm not going to read it, but in Acts 9, verse 15, he encounters Jesus. So the grace of God extends to Paul, even as he is against God. And I've had a similar experience where I turned my back against God, man, looking for areas where I could take people away from the church. And then God's grace just comes. Man, I still want you. 
the point he's making is not about what you do. I'm just being gracious. Now we need to follow him and all that. Not going to balance it. And in 2 Corinthians 12, I'm almost finished here. So 2 Corinthians 12, verse 6 to 11, uh, 6 to 10, yeah, I want to read first. This is Paul um, writing. He says, though if, I should, though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. He says, like, if, if I want to brag, I could brag, because I, you know. So what he's saying, it's essentially like a first-team rugby player walking in here or someone that plays for the Cheetahs and says, I am good in playing rugby. Like, you're not prideful, you are good in playing rugby. We agree. So he can boast. Paul's like, I am good at what I do. I can boast. But I refrain from it so that no one might think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from being too elated or um, conceited, being like, to keep me from becoming prideful, if I'm paraphrasing here, by the surpassing greatness of the revelations. So Paul is saying, man, in order, well, let me read it. A thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being too conceited. I'm just going to use a different word there. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am con sorry, I'm content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and goes on. You can keep verse 9 on, please, Elaine. But Paul is saying, man, I am so good. I've got all these revelations. I, I, mean, I wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And in order to keep me from becoming prideful, there was a thorn in my flesh. Now, there's a lot of debate what's the thorn in his flesh. I think it was, he was probably a bit blind. Um, in, in another book of him, he says, like, you, you see, it's my own handwriting because I write big. You know, it's like big words because I can't see. Eh? So there's a physical thorn in his flesh. He speaks about, man, there's something physically that is causing me, to, there's a weakness. You know, for some, and, and you need to get, think of your own life. What? Maybe there's a thorn in your flesh even. I've, I've experienced similar things. Like, oh man, it's, so, you know, it's just a thorn in, in my flesh to keep me from boasting. And he says, and he pleaded to, pleaded to Jesus, Lord, come and heal me. Imagine the Apostle Paul asking Jesus, come and heal me. And it's just like, God says, no. I don't, I don't want to heal you. That's a scary verse. Because Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. What is happening here is Paul's going like, man, I, I can't actually do this. I've got the weakness. And, be, and I think God looks at him and says, because you know that you are weak, because you know of your weakness, you cry out for my grace. You depend on my grace. You rely on my grace. Have you seen it that if you think that you can do something, it, you often fail? I've seen it oftentimes. You know, there's some Sundays I come here and like, yes, I'm going to have a cooker of a worship session. And I feel ready. I feel prepared. I feel like I've practiced this week, and then everything goes wrong. <laughs> and then there's times like I, I prep three songs or whatever, and then as we start, I or Adam's like, we want to do three different songs, and I feel like, oh, yes. Like, I, I, I'm not ready. I, my, my, this is something, I'm not ready. And then at those times, the grace of God flows. Because it's for His name's sake. It's not so that I can look good. So the point in Paul's life is, man, in our weakness, God's grace 
is enough for us. In our weakness, His power is made perfect. In a sense, what he's saying is, if we lived in a country where ESCOM wasn't a thing, eh? so imagine God's grace is like this generator in your home. Eh? Now, because of ESCOM, because of our weakness, like there's, we add value to the generator, right? If, if, if that makes sense. But if, if, we did, if we didn't have weakness in our lives, man, the grace of God would be like, nah, it's really, we're really okay without it. What we have is enough. So I want to encourage, uh, encourage you guys, man, boast about your weakness. Don't be all depressed about your weakness. Because of your weakness, God's grace can flow to you. Because of your weakness, God can come and fix it. God can come and be sufficient for you. And that's a different approach to it. Because you struggle in areas, don't go like, oh, I've got struggle, and, and it's okay, open and speak to you. But man, boast about your weakness. Honestly, in my heart, I boast about being short. I'm just like, because I know it is, I know people sometimes look at me, you just doesn't look, I look at guys like Andrew and Ryan, they've got this stature. When they walk, there's a stature that they carry that I just can't carry. I physically can't. But it keeps me, it keeps me in a place where God's grace has to flow. And for you, there's something specific for each and every one of you. It keeps you in a place of, God, I need your grace. And then you come and flow. So, you know, some of us aren't eloquent with words. You know, you spend hours prepping a preach, and then you deliver it, and you, yeah, words were okay. People didn't really understand, but that's okay. Obviously, train yourself, try and grow, but boasting about God's grace has to flow. I can't do this. I need God's, I need God's grace, otherwise I won't. I need that generator because I know the, <laughs> the ESCOM in me <laughs> won't work. <laughs> and then lastly, I want to look at the life of Judas quickly uh, in uh, Matthew 27, verse 1 to 5. So Judas betrayed Jesus. Uh, he sold him, kind of, he went to the Pharisees. Listen, I'll take you to Jesus. Just a side note, they could have just got him anyway. It wasn't that big of a betrayal. Uh, it was bad, but it wasn't that bad. So think of it. Like, there's other people that could have, you know, I, I don't want to get too weird about this, but it wasn't that he was hiding in a cave and, you know, and they couldn't get him. He was kind of there in a garden and Jesus actually came towards them and said, it's me that you're looking for. So it wasn't difficult to find Jesus. They didn't need to use Judas. Okay? Just wanted to make, so um, when morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is that to us? See, uh, see to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and went and hanged himself. Intense scripture. The point I want to make there is in, in Hebrews 12, verse 15, it says, See to it that none of you fail to obtain the grace of God. And I want to say that Judas, uh, Judas failed to obtain the grace of God. Judas took matters in his own hands. In this instance, at least, God didn't punish Judas. He kind of went and hanged himself. 
God doesn't, Jesus didn't come to Peter and punished him. There was rest restoration. I often wonder what would have happened if Ju Judas didn't hang himself. Like, I wonder, I wonder if, if he would have been restored, honestly. If I look at the, if I look at the grace of God, I'm like, probably. Because we can see there's a sense that Judas went like, oh man, I betrayed innocent blood. I changed my mind. There's almost like a repentance in his heart. Like, I messed up. I honestly think if he stuck it through, maybe God restores him. Now, I know there's scriptures that say that would have happened anyway. Well, don't, don't get too theological with me. I'm speaking about the, the heart of God at that moment. And because Judas took matters in his own hand, I think he failed to obtain the grace of God. And how many times do we fail to obtain the grace of God? Because spiritually, we hang ourselves. I'm, I'm, I'm not good enough to be forgiven. There's not going to be give this forgiveness to me. Man, obtain the grace of God. Go towards God. Say, God, heal me. Forgive me. G give me grace that I might be taught not to sin. I want to be used by you, God. Give me grace that I want to prophesy, man. I want to be used. And he, in, uh, Hebrews 4, verse 14 to 16. Let me land with this. Um. Since then, we have a great high priest who have passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Just keep that up. This is, this is one of my top three favorite scriptures, that in the one in Titus that I read. The writer of Hebrews is saying, we have a great high priest. Jesus is able to have sympathy on you. Jesus understands. And sometimes we need to just sit and imagine Jesus sitting next to us and saying, I understand. I know what you're going through. He's been tempted in every way. Everything that you've experienced, God has been tempted in that sense. Now, if you, if tire, if you get a flat tire and you get tempted to be angry, it's not that Jesus was tempted with a flat tire. But he was tempted to be angry. If, you, if, you, if, you, if you're, you've been tempted to give up on something, I'm pretty sure Jesus has been tempted to give up on three things. In fact, he was sweating blood saying, Lord, please, I don't want to die. Jesus asked the Father, I don't want to die. I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to. But not my will, your will. So imagine that Jesus had said, I don't want to do the cross. That's the Jesus that next to you, like, I understand difficult times. But not in a condescending way. He's saying, oh, man, I understand. I understand. I know what you're going through. Come on, man, you can do it. Jesus is next to us. Say, come on, you can do it. I know. I made it. And my grace is there for you. Because it says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Because we have a great high priest who is able to have sympathy with us. Because we have the Jesus who stands next to us saying, I know. Let us have confidence. To come into the presence of God. With confidence we draw near the throne of grace. That we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. In your time of need, have confidence to draw into the presence of God. Saying, God, I need your grace. I know that you understand, Lord. Help me, God. Help me, God. With a confidence we enter in. 
because we've got Jesus who understands. And I want to encourage us, man, whatever you're going through, whatever struggle you have, whatever thing there is in front of you, know that Jesus understands. Moving to Gauteng, man, Jesus understands. Our, he, he does. He, he, he understands what we're going through. Wanting to be baptized and not knowing just what are my friends going to think, what are my family going to think. I know it's difficult, but Jesus understands. And because of that, have confidence to draw into him. Say, God, help me. God, give me the boldness. Give me the grace. Why don't we close our eyes and just want to pray for us and we'll land here.